Last time on The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Jekyll, Jekyll, I demand to see you. I've given you fair warning. If you do not open this door, I shall break it down. This door is connected to a very odd story. Uh, Mr. Hyde, I think. That is my name. Who are you? What do you want? Put your mind and heart at ease. The moment I choose, I can get rid of Mr. Hyde. There was a vicious murder last night, and we were hoping you could assist us in our investigation. Whenever I read Satan's signature upon a face, it is on that of your new friend. Anderson? Hello, Poole. I need to speak to Dr. Jack. I don't believe that he... Don't leave our friends standing out there, Poole. Yes, sir. Uh, come in, Edison. Thank you. Let's have a drink in the library. Uh, close the door behind us, Poole. Of course, sir. Have you heard the news? Yes, sir. I heard them from my dining room. Uh, crying it in the street. They have traced the murder back to Hyde. I have been to the police and described Hyde to them. Jekyll... Sir Danvers was my client, and so are you. If this goes to trial, your name will come up, and you will be required to stand in the dock. Please tell me you are not hiding this fellow. No, of course not, Edison. I swear to God that I will never see Hyde again. It is all at an end. He no longer wants my help. You sound pretty sure, and for your sake, I hope you are right. I am very sure of it. I have a... I have a letter from him. I, I should like to leave it in your hands, Edison. You would judge wisely, I'm sure, as to whether or not I, I should turn it over to the police. I have so great trust in you. You fear it may irrefutably link him to the murder? I don't care what happens to Hyde. I was thinking of myself. Oh, this hateful business has exposed my character. Let me read it. Dear Dr. Jekyll, as my sole benefactor, you have extended to me a thousand generosities, for which I am most unworthy. <laughs> However, I think it is best for the both of us that I leave you forever. You need labor under no alarm for my safety, as I have means of escape on which I place a sure dependence. You will no doubt come under great scrutiny if we continue our association, and so I must leave. You will never hear from me again. Edward Hyde. Uh, do you still have the envelope? No, without thinking, I burned it. But it bore no postmark. It was hand-delivered. I'll sleep on it and determine the best course of action in the morning. That is best. I've lost all confidence in myself. Was it Hyde who dictated the terms of your will about the disappearance? I am ashamed to say, but yes, it was. I knew it. Can't you see he meant to murder you? You have escaped that fate. I have had a lesson. <laughs> oh, God, Edison, what a lesson I have had. Get some rest. I will see you in the morning. Oh, Poole, was there a letter delivered to the house by messenger today? No, sir. Nothing has come today, except by post. That was only circulars. I see. Uh, thank you, Poole. I'll see myself out. Very good. Oh, sir. Yes, Pooh. Dr. Jekyll has asked me to give you this. 
an invitation to the dinner party next week. Indeed. Dr. Jekyll has invited several of his close friends. I see. Uh, thank you. Murder, murder, vicious murder of Sir Danvers crew. Boy. Yes, sir. Paper. Special edition, shocking murder. Here you are. Thank you. Sir Danvers Minister Carew of Parliament, Sir Danvers Carew found murdered. Oh, I fear it is only a matter of time now, Henry. Uh, Mr. Artisan, have you heard about Sir Danvers? Yes, Mr. Guest. Very good, sir. Here's your messages. Uh, thank you, Mr. Guest. I'll be in my office. I uh, have some papers to review for Sir Danvers' estate. Of course, sir. But there's just one thing. May I talk to you privately, sir? Of course. Close the door. I didn't want to say anything in front of the other clerk, sir. But when I opened the office first thing this morning, an Inspector Newcomb of Scotland Yard was waiting at the door, sir. He said he wanted to speak with you. Again, regarding Sir Danvers' death? Please have a seat, Mr. Guest. Yes, sir. There is no man from whom I keep fewer secrets than you. And so is my confidant and a man of counsel. I need your complete discretion in this matter. Of course, sir. It's about this sad business with Sir Danvers. It has elicited a great deal of public feeling. The murderer, of course, was mad. I should like your views on that. I have here a document in what I believe to be the handwriting of the murderer himself. This is strictly between ourselves, for I scarcely know what to do about it. This is an ugly business, but here it is. A murderer's autograph, so to speak. It is an odd hand, and by all accounts this man is a strange writer. Pardon me, sir. Yes, Mr. Guest? That note on the desk by your left hand, is that from Dr. Jekyll? I only ask because I thought I recognized the handwriting. If it's nothing private, may I see it, sir? Of course. It's just an invitation to dinner. I thank you, sir. A very interesting autograph. Mr. Guest, why did you compare the letter to the invitation? Well, sir, there's a rather singular resemblance. The two hands are, in many points, identical, with only a slight difference in slope. Rather curious. Just as you say, sir. Curious. Of course, you now understand my insistence on discretion. I understand, sir. Will that be all? Yes, thank you. Has Henry Jekyll forged a letter for a murderer? I have to say, what a relief it is that these god-awful London papers have moved on from the horrible incident surrounding Sir Danvers. It's been months, after all. Move along. If only he were here tonight, we'd toast his very good health. Of course, of course, but there's been too much attention paid to this Mr. Hyde for my taste. It sounds as though this Mr. Hyde has disappeared. And Edison, you are right. Uh, let us drink to the memory of our friend, Sir Danvers Carew. Thank you both for coming to my home for dinner tonight. 
This is just like the old days, is it not? <laughs> oh, the three of us are terrorizing St. Mark's school. St. Mark's. Now that is a pleasant memory. Except for Mr. Taylor, the headmaster. <laughs> Do you recall the instance when Jekyll here was up in front of the class doing a spot-on imitation of our instructor, Mr. Durbidge? I shall not tell you again, Mr. Lanyon, to keep your remarks to yourself. Yes, that's the one. And then Mr. Taylor walked in. And I persuaded Mr. Taylor that imitation was the most sincere form of flattery. <laughs> oh, you rescued me, Utterson. It's no wonder he became a lawyer, and you, Jekyll, you excelled in such theatrics. Are you saying I, I should have become an actor? Well, the best thespians are required to transform into someone that they aren't, and you're so good at it. Another toast to St. Mark's. Here, here. Oh, well, that is enough wine for me, if I am to be an early riser. An early riser? You? I am attending St. Paul's in the morning. Henry Jekyll, a churchgoer. My heart is already weak enough. Never thought I'd live to see the day. As Henry's attorney, I can attest to the fact that he's always been known to contribute a good deal to charity. And now, I am no less distinguished for dedicating myself to religion. Saint Jekyll. Hmm. Now, I'll drink to that. <laughs> Mr. Utterson? Hello, Poole. Is Dr. Jekyll at home? Uh, no, sir. I, I haven't seen him all day. Tell him I was here. Of course, sir. Hello, Poole. I'm sorry, Mr. Utterson. He's not at home. Did you give him my message? Yes, sir. Very well. Mr. Utterson? He's not at home, I wager. He is, sir. Then let me see him. No, sir. He's ill. Confined to his room. He gave me specific instructions to admit no one. Not even me? That's correct, sir. I am sorry. Then perhaps his friend, Dr. Lanyon, could help. He will see nobody else, especially Dr. Lanyon. Especially Dr. Lanyon? I've said too much. Good day, Mr. Utterson. Good day, Poole. Perhaps a visit to Lanyon is in order. Come in, Utterson. My dear Lanyon, your servant said you were ill. What has happened to you? <laughs> Why do you ask? Is it because my death warrant is legibly written on my face? My dear friend, what can I do? As my attorney, you can review my will. Apart from that, nothing. I have had a shock, and I doubt that I will soon recover. That makes two of my dear friends who have fallen gravely ill. Who's the other? Jekyll. I wish to hear no more of Dr. Jekyll. I am quite done with that person, and I beg that you will spare me any allusion to one whom I regard as dead. Lanyon, we three are very old friends. We shall not live to make others. Have you spoken to him? No, he will not see me. <laughs> I am not surprised at that. Someday, Utterson, after I am dead, 
you may perhaps come to learn the right and the wrong of this, but oh, no, no, I, I cannot tell you, but this, yeah, this will shed some light on the matter. What is this? This must only be opened upon my death. This is all very mysterious. Not until my death. Do you understand? Of course. That is the last I shall speak of Henry Jekyll. Now, if you can sit and talk with me of other things, for God's sake, stay and do so. But if you cannot keep clear of that accursed topic, in God's name, go for I cannot bear it. Of course, Lanyon, of course. Can I get you anything more, Mr. Utterson? No, Carruthers, thank you. I will sit in the study for a while before retiring. Very good, sir. Oh, a letter has arrived for you earlier. From Dr. Jekyll. Thank you very much, Carruthers. Dear Gabriel, Poole informed me that you were once again turned away from my door, the very door through which you have passed on many happy occasions. Knowing you are an excellent lawyer and investigator, I am sure by now you have uncovered my recent break from old Lanyon. You are by nature a peacemaker, but I assure you that the quarrel with Lanyon is incurable. I do not blame our old friend, but I think it is best that he and I never meet again. You must not be surprised, nor must you doubt my friendship, if my door is even often shut to you. You must suffer me to go my own dark way. I have brought on myself a punishment and a danger that I cannot name. If I am to be the chief of sinners, I am to be the chief of sufferers also. I could not think that this earth contained a place of sufferings and tears like these. Utterson, you can do but one thing to lighten this destiny. Please, respect my silence and solitude. Your constant friend... Henry Jekyll. Today, we commit the body of our brother, Dr. Thomas Lanyon, to the ground. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. Thank you for accompanying me today, Mr. Guest. Dr. Lanyon was a fine man. Indeed. Forgive me for asking, and it may not be an appropriate time, but was his cause of death ever determined? It's all right. To be frank, as his lawyer, I have asked the same question of his next of kin, and I have received the same answer. No, there is no medical cause of death. Oh, I'm sorry, no medical cause? Do you suspect some other reason for Dr. Lanyon's death? Mr. Guest, when you return to the office, dismiss everyone early. I have some papers to review this evening, and I want complete privacy. Very good, sir.
I've dismissed everyone just as you asked, sir. May I be of any service? No, thank you. That is all. Good evening, sir. I have lost one friend today. What if this mysterious letter from Lanyon should cause me to lose another? Private. For the hands of G.J. Utterson alone. And in case his death precedes the death of Dr. Thomas Lanyon, this letter is to be destroyed unread. It is one thing to mortify curiosity, another to conquer it. And there it shall sleep. How was your dinner, Mr. Utterson? Again, it was wonderful. Again, you did not allow me to pay. I am a lawyer, you know. I, I do not like for money. For the sake of your pride, you shall pay next time. I'm thinking Maxine's. Shall we make it an appointment? Of course. We seem to have stumbled upon the same by street as before. And there is the door. It's been quite some time since we were last here. That story's over, at least. We shall see no more of Mr. Hyde. Uh, did I ever tell you I once saw him and shared your feeling of repulsion? It is impossible to do the one without the other. And by the way, what an ass you must have thought me not to know that this was a back door to Dr. Jekyll's. It was partly your own fault that I found out even when I did. I'm sure it was only a matter of time before you found out. And since you have, let us step into the court and take a look at the windows. To tell the truth, I am uneasy about poor Jekyll, and even outside, I, I feel as if the presence of a friend might do him good. There's someone in the window. What? Jekyll, I trust you are better? I am low, Utterson. Very low. But it will not last much longer, thank God. You stay too much indoors. You should be out whipping up the circulation like Mr. Enfield and me. Uh, this is my client, uh, Mr. Enfield, Dr. Jekyll. Sir? Come now, get your hat and take a quick walk with us. I should like to very much, but... But no, no, it is quite impossible. I, I dare not, but indeed, Utterson, I am very glad to see you. Uh, this is really a great pleasure. I would ask you and Mr. Enfield up, but this place is really not fit. Why, then... The best thing we can do is to stay down here and speak with you from where we are. That is what I was about to propose, but... but no. No, it can't be! Did you see the look on his face? It was a look of abject terror. Come, Enfield, let's go. I fear what we may have done here. I must return to my office at once. Thomas Lanyon, my friend. I fear you have much to tell me. On the 9th of January, now four days ago, I received by the evening delivery... A registered envelope addressed in the hand of my colleague and friend, Henry Jekyll. I was surprised by this, for we were not in the habit of corresponding, and I had just seen him the night before at dinner with, with friends. The contents increased my wonder, for... This is how the letter ran. Dr. Lanyon, you are one of my oldest friends. And although we may have different at times on scientific questions, I cannot remember, at least on my side, any break in our affection. There was never a day when, if you had said to me, Jekyll, my life, my honor, my reason depend upon you, 
I would not have sacrificed everything to help you, Lanyon. My life, my honor, my reason are all at your mercy. If you fail me tonight, I am lost. This is a strange request, but I want you to postpone all other engagements for tonight and drive straight to my house. Pool, my butler has his orders. You will find him waiting your arrival. He will let you into my laboratory, but you are to go in alone. At my desk, open the fourth drawer from the bottom and remove the drawer and all its contents from my desk. Bring the entire drawer back to your home. Then, at midnight, ensure you are alone in your consulting room. A messenger will present himself in my name. Please admit him and place in his hands the drawer you retrieved from my desk. Then you would have played your part and earned my gratitude completely. Five minutes after completing this task, you will receive an explanation. Think of me at this hour in a strange place, laboring under dark distress that cannot be exaggerated. And yet, if you carry out these instructions to the letter, my troubles will roll away like a story that was told. Serve me, my dear Lanyon, and save your friend, Henry Jekyll. <laughs> the less I understood of this strange request, the better. So I did just as I was asked. I brought the entire drawer into my sitting room and I proceeded to examine the contents. I found what seemed to me a simple crystalline salt of white color. There was a, a glass vial containing some kind of phosphorus and volatile blood-red liquor. There was also a leather-bound book containing a, a series of dates covering a, a period of many years. The entry ceased rather abruptly and seemed to be the record of a series of experiments that had led, like too many of Jekyll's investigations, to no end of practical usefulness. The more I thought about everything, the more convinced I became that my poor friend was struggling with a case of mental illness. Twelve o'clock had scarce rung out over London when the knocker sounded very gently on the door. I placed my revolver in my pocket for good measure and answered the door. I found a small man crouching against the pillars of the portico. Have you come for Dr. Jekyll? Yes. I invited him in. The, the man hesitated, but there was a policeman not far off, and at the sight of him, my visitor started and rushed through the door. He was a small, muscular creature. I followed him into the bright light of the consulting room. I kept my hand ready on my weapon. As I looked at him, I was struck by what I can only describe as a disgustful curiosity. Have you got it? Have you got it, I say? You forget that I have not yet the pleasure of your acquaintance. Be seated, if you please. I beg your pardon, Dr. Lanyon. My impatience has shown its heels to my politeness. I come here at the insistence of your colleague. Dr. Henry Jekyll, on a piece of business of some importance. I placed the contents of the drawer before him. There it is, sir. He sprang to it, and then paused and laid his hand upon his heart. I could hear his teeth grate with the convulsive action of his jaws, and his face was so ghastly to see that I grew alarmed for both his life and reason. Compose yourself, sir. 
Have you a graduated glass? I placed one in his hand and he mixed the red liquor and added one of the powders. The mixture, which was at first a, a reddish hue, began in proportion as the crystals melted to brighten in color, to effervesce audibly, and to throw off small fumes of vapor. Suddenly, the compound changed to a dark purple, which faded again more slowly to a watery green. And now, Dr. Lannan, shall I drink the liquid and satisfy the greed of your curiosity? My curiosity? Your man dedicated to the fundamentals of science. <laughs> but I see something else in you. <sighs> Tell me, do you see forbidden knowledge which may open new avenues of fame and power to you? Shall your eyes be blasted by a sight that would stand a certainty of self? For so long you have been bound to the most narrow and material views, and have denied the virtue of transcendental medicine. You have derided men who are in every way your superior. Now, behold. He put the glass to his lips and drank at one gulp. A cry followed. He reeled, staggered, clutched at the table and held on, staring with injected eyes, gasping with open mouth, and as I, I looked at him, I thought, a change. His face seemed to distort, to, to melt and, and alter. And the next moment, I had sprung to my feet and leaped back against the wall. My arm raised to shield me from that prodigy. My mind submerged in terror. There... Before my eyes, pale and shaken, like a man restored from death, stood Henry Jekyll. Listening to episode 2 of The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Don't miss episode 3, coming soon. If you enjoyed this show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you like more shows like this, visit us at thekellyventura.com.